All right, so we're starting a new series today. And again, this series is also to help us take our next step as a community in our relationship with Jesus. And some of you have heard my testimony before, but in my past, I had dated a lot of women before Christ, and I dated quite a few after Christ. And then I meet this lady named Lydia Laureen Butterfield. The fields flowed with butter when I saw her. I was like, wow. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I, I just, uh, you know, and I, I, I fell in love, right? I knew she was the one for me. I asked her to be my wife. She said yes, so we're engaged. On two different occasions, I did two really stupid things. Ladies, lean in. Krista, you're not allowed to laugh. I had, I had two different girlfriends that I had, had uh, well, one was a girlfriend, the other one was a friend at Bible college. At a certain point in our engagement, there was this girl that I dated, her name's Allie. Allie was a beautiful girl, but lost, very lost in the world, uh, and I got saved. We were just very incompatible, but then we started having a kind of, she was reaching out, having a friendship. I'd been praying for her to be saved. I get engaged. Well, Lydia's not stupid. Allie comes around, and Allie wants to hang out, spend some time hanging out with me. I am totally oblivious. I said, yeah, why not? Why, why wouldn't I do that? That sounds cool. I say, hey, what would you think about me uh, taking Allie to go do X, Y, and Z today? And Lydia's like, you know, she didn't say this, but I think her intent and her spirit went something like this. How do you feel about taking your next breath, pal? <laughs> she didn't say that, but it was something like that. You follow what I'm saying? Later again, I saw, okay, no, no, ex-girlfriends are a no-no. We don't relate to ex-girlfriends. Got it. You know, check. A little while later, this isn't an ex-girlfriend. This isn't even a girlfriend. This is a girl at school that needed a ride from uh, Dallas to Arlington, who I give a ride. Lydia was cool with that. But I got hungry and I decided I'd stop at Red Lobster and we had lunch together. I, I call Lydia up, tell her, you know, or I forget how that happened. She, she, back then we had pagers. How many remember pagers? We had this little pager. She paged me. I called her. What are you doing right now? It's as if the Holy Spirit was talking to her. I said, I'm having lunch with Angie here at Red Lobster. Really? Have a great day. Click. And I'm like, something in my spirit said, you are so dumb for real, you know? So I went and I got chocolate. I got flowers. I showed up. I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. You know, I had no ill intent, all right? What was going on in Lydia's heart? Lydia wanted exclusivity, right? She said, when she walked down the aisle, as I said, I do, I was saying, I don't to everyone else, right? She didn't want to compete with any other woman in my life. And I find God's kind of like that too. He wants an exclusive relationship with you. Consider this, Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Joshua says to the people, put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. I want you to know that if you have ancestors, you have idolatry up your lineage somewhere. Now, the idols may not be golden calves and they may not be things, but you have something that has stood in the way of Jesus Christ having preeminence. Are you following me? Serve the Lord, listen to this, alone. It's almost like he took his notes from my wife or vice versa. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? He's thinking, would that led you into bondage? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I want to say to you that I think the United States, in the land that we now live, there are gods here. And Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, we just read a minute ago, to take up our cross and to follow him. I would say the idol of, of the United States is self, right? Independence. 
No one's, don't tread on me, you know? Some of you are like, hey, wait a second, let's get defensive. I serve the Marine Corps people. I, I understand these values, all right? But here's my point. My point is, is that when I changed kingdoms, when I surrendered to Jesus Christ, I came into the kingdom of God as a whole different set of operating values. I believe that we should seek the peace of the land that we're in. God told Jeremiah when they were in captivity, that's what they should do. They should build houses and get married in the land and do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, there's a different, there's a different operating system that should be working in the church. When, and, and when Baal, when Elijah came and, and he came on the scene and Israel had said at that time of Joshua, no, we'll follow God. No, they did not. And they ended up getting idols. And later they began to worship this deity called Baal in the land. And so Elijah has to square off with the, with the, the people of the Israel and, and the prophets. And in 1 Kings 18, 21, here's his challenge to them. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But listen, don't do both. Choose this day whom you will serve. And just as Lydia called me to define the relationship that I was having with her, Jesus did too. He called his, his followers to define their relationship to God against another God in their lives. Money. Luke 16, 13, he says this. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The word he used there for money was an Aramaic word called mammon. Mammon wasn't just the word for riches, wealth, or money, depending upon how your Bible translates that. It was referring to a Syrian deity that Babylon kept up with after they took Syria captive that represented riches and wealth. Babylon kept it. Now, here's what's interesting about Babylon. Some of you may know the story of Babel, the Tower of Babel, but Babel just literally means, Babel means confusion, and Babylon means like sown in or planted in. So Babylon literally means started in chaos or planted in confusion. Well, the backstory of Babylon is they wanted to build, they, they united together because they wanted to build a tower for whatever reason to basically declare their independence from God Almighty. And if you've been alive long in this land in the United States right now, there's a move to remove God from everything. I love the fact that when, when, when on our dollar bills, it says, in God we trust. Now, some would say, what God is that anyway? But I think it's right when I'm looking at money to declare, money, you're a servant, but God is the one we trust in. He's our master, right? And so they started in chaos. And basically, it was the idea of a tower that gets us to heaven without God's help. Let's move God out of the way and let's do it on our own. And what Jesus was getting at, some of you have this mindset that as long as I have money, as long as I have mammon, I don't need God. Let me give you a test. Mammon check. Because I think all of us, to some extent, or at least we're influenced by what Jesus called mammon, by the spirit of it. I believe all of us have failed this test at some point, and most of you will fail this test right now. Now, I say that I plan on giving you hope when it's all done, all right? Hang in there with me. But I just want to start here with a simple test. 
If the first question you ask yourself when you choose a college to attend to or look for a place to live is, do I have enough money? Versus, what is God's will in this circumstance and for my life in this? I would say you're under mammon. In other words, if money is the deciding factor about what your next step is, something other than God is leading your life. All God's people said, ouch. <laughs> so today, look, today we're, we're going to start a series. The title of the series is called Live to Give. And we're going to learn how to break money's hold over our life, whether you think you're poor or rich. Because I find poor people think, well, I don't, I'm not enslaved to money because I don't have any. Sometimes they're the worst. And I know that because I've been, I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm richer than, say, the world. I'm not rich in our nation. But I've lived in really, really, really poor conditions. We'll talk about that uh, before. Lydia really lived in poverty, true poverty, growing up. So we, we, we do have a, a perspective on poverty. And uh, don't let my pretty little blonde wife fool you. She, she grew up in, in, some, in some really, really, really poor and tough neighborhoods. And so we're going to do this. We, we want to see to learn to live generous lives in obedience to God. Now, I want to tell you a story that happened to me last Friday to kick this off, because it gets personal for me. We were, we, at once a month, we'll watch our grandchildren, and we had them over. In the middle of the night, for whatever reason, at 2 a.m., my grandson, William, decides he wants to cry. You know, he doesn't want to cry, he wants to wail. And I'm, so he's in our, we have a little space set up in the basement with a nice little, it's warm and nice, that sounds, basement sounds bad, but it's nice. And I'm on the other side of the house uh, and, uh, from him, and I begin to hear this through the, my white noise generator, through everything, I hear this. Like, my ears perk up. I, I get out of bed, I walk down the hallway, and then, of course he gets louder as I come down. I pick him up, I bring him up. I, Lydia, I said, let's move him a little closer. We set up another thing, she's setting that up. I'm holding him on me, half awake, half asleep. She puts him in bed, but now, you know, how many know when your adrenaline gets going, good luck on falling back asleep? So I'm laying in bed there, and I'm, I'm, I'm meditating on the deep things of God. And for some reason, this series began to come into my mind, and I'm thinking about this idea. I didn't even have a name for the series yet. I was just thinking about this idea of generosity. And I had this mindset. See, I, I had this, this, this thought about myself that I'm generous. Now, my wife will tell you I have a very generous spirit. And I think, listen, I want to say this to you. I think many of you in this room, because you have Jesus Christ in you, because you've said yes to Jesus, I am confident you have a generous spirit too. What we want to do is roll away that gravestone so that can come out. And so the Holy Spirit goes after my gravestone. I'm sitting there and I'm laying in bed. I'm, it's dark. It's like 2.15, 2.30, who knows? I'm laying there and I'm like, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I was patting myself on the back in the spirit. I'm like, well, at least I'm glad I'm generous. The Lord's like, no, no, no you're not. <laughs> I'm sorry, what, Lord? <laughs> Lord, I give, I give, I don't just tithe, which means give 10%. We'll look at that later. I, I give more than a tithe. I love worshiping people. God's like, yeah, but in this season of your life, you could give more. I mean, when you consider all the things that you've got your other money going into from a, a, a simple, you know, uh, $7 a month Netflix account to, uh, you know, your, your Comcast, your cable bill, and, and I can just go through all these things that are non-essentials. You guys remember, for those who came to Priorities, we have essentials, right? We have those things that are essential. We have those things that are important. We have those things that are just not essential at all, right? So I, I have a bunch of, of non-essentials that the Lord's pointing at that are, are not necessary uh, for my life. 
I was focused, and listen, for some, just like some of you, I was focused on how much I give. The Lord was focused on how much I was holding back. If the Lord looks at your life today, what does he see? Does he see someone who's generous according to his nature or someone who's holding back? And then the question was, why am I holding back? So what was God doing? He was giving me a heart checkup in my relationship with him on where my heart is at with him, my relationship to money, and really what matters most in my life. And Jesus said, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, Jesus draws a connection between your heart and your treasure. Listen, I just told you a minute ago, Lifeway Church, we have one of the most serving churches around. And for some of you, you think that's enough. But it's interesting that Jesus didn't say where your service is, there your heart is also. Jesus didn't say where your small group is, there your heart is also. Are you following me? Jesus said where your treasure is. I want you to think about who he said that to. He said that to his disciples, people who were already following him, people he knew that there's this inner compass inside of us that's beacon, that's looking for something. And so we're gonna dive into that today. And I wanna look, I'm gonna put, just like God did a heart checkup on me, title of my message today is Check Your Heart. I'm gonna put Dr. Stethoscope on and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a, put a little test for us to take about our hearts here this morning. Let me tell you what I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna talk about a lot of things that will reveal your heart. I'm not gonna even give you any practices. I'm saving that for like two, three more weeks for me, for my Pastor Vern's next week. I got a friend, Floyd Zook, who's coming the, the following week. But then uh, when I, uh, but on those last two messages, I'll focus on that, on that fourth one. I'm gonna focus on practices. practices. Here's, what it, here's the deal. It's gonna take five weeks minimally for us to get a balanced message. So if you leave here today mad, because I'm talking about money, preachers talking about money in church. Listen, if you're new here, we don't. Like that little advertisement you saw fly across the screen, that's what it looks like. And that's the way it's gone for about four years. We don't talk about money. And when I do talk about it, I, I've never asked for anything from the church. And if I'm ever going to ask, I will make it a direct appeal. It will be very simple, you know, end of your giving kind of thing or whatever. It will not be something where I twist your arm to manipulate you. I, I don't believe God wants you to be manipulated into giving. He want, God, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And if I'm drop kicking you and elbow dropping you in the spirit and you're like, oh, tap out, just take my wallet, you know. I may get an end result like money, but what I've lost is your heart in doing it. God didn't call me, God didn't call me to collect money. He called me to make disciples. Are you following me? I want you to be a disciple of Jesus as it pertains to your money and Jesus is saying money has a very tight, connected reality to our heart. It's getting very quiet in here. Amen. Present, present your heart here, people. <laughs> See, medical doctors attempt to use objective health scans, right, to reveal where your health is currently at and to give you advice on how to take your next step in a positive direction for your health. So I've entitled this message, Check Your Heart. Just as my encounter with the Holy Spirit revealed my heart, I believe there's some objective things that you can look at in your own life that will show where you're at. Are you ready? First heart check. Your thoughts about acquiring money reveal your source. Your thoughts about acquiring money reveal your source. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 19 says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. That's a thought inside a person's heart. 
They're saying it to themselves. Then he goes on to say, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is to this day. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, you know, like mammon, and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you this day, you will surely be destroyed. Let's talk for a second about what he's getting at here because what this is revealing, we talk about what your thoughts are about something, how you think money is acquired, what you're thinking about money in your heart, um, reveals a lot about what your source is. When I grew up, I grew up watching parents who pursued money as, as a source, not just a resource. There's a difference between a source and a resource. God is our source. Talents, abilities, and money are a resource. God, one of God's names is Jehovah, Jehovah, you know, Jireh. Jehovah, Jireh means God, our provider. So God has a name for himself that says, I am your provisionary source. And what it says here is he gives you the ability to get wealth. Now, I want to notice what it doesn't say. He gives you the wealth. Money rains from heaven. Well, if God gives me the wealth, why doesn't he? He doesn't say he gives you the wealth. He gives you the ability to get it. In everything I have seen in the Bible about God and our relationship with him, he wants a partnership with you. Amen. He wants to partner with you. He, he doesn't want to just give it to you. He wants you to do it with him. I just saw a beautiful post uh, that, that Hannah Hoover posted about uh, her husband and, and, and Everett, their son, and they were working together on something. And Ed was working on something, I guess, Everett, and Everett came downstairs with his toy version of that. Oh, my God, that right? It looked like a toy. And, and he got up there, and he's trying to help. Is that even knew where to exactly to do what, where, and how? What was happening? His, what Ed had was real solid power tools. What his son had in the context of discipleship was a smaller, simpler version. But what was happening in the transaction of relationship was an impartation was happening where he was learning a skill. He was receiving a talent or an ability that's being embedded to his heart even before he can actually do anything about it. Some of you parents, you need to understand that, that the reason you need to let God do generosity with you and partner with him in it because you're going to pass whatever you are onto your children. God's your source. He gives you the ability to get wealth. We do still need to work. It won't fall from the sky. Now, I want you to notice something because he says, be careful when, you, when God begins to prosper you. So let's say God begins to bless you. The temptation is going to be to say that my own might, my own power, my own wisdom, my own something has made this wealth for me. I've told people, I've said, wow, the Lord really blessed you. And I've had people look at me and go, God didn't bless me. I worked hard for this. So if God took your, stopped your heart stopped your breathing and stopped your brain function right now, which by the way, he gave to you. How was your own strength and work working out for you, pal? Oh, I never thought of it like that. Well, you should. You need to realize you didn't create yourself. The talents that you have, the abilities that you have. See, we spend our lives trying to be like other people that we think are successful instead of in our, the context of our relationship going, show me who you made me to be so I can do that with all my might. And God promises that a man's gift will make a way for him. 
A woman's gift will make a way for her. You will not stand before obscure people, the Bible says. You'll stand before great people as you work your gift. As Everett starts at a young age playing with plastic tools, and then whatever at the time they feel comfortable giving him real ones and begin to do a simple build a few projects to, by the time he's 16, he's got phenomenal skills. By the time he's 20, he's running his own company. Well, how does that work? By use, by partnership, taking the ability What you think about money determines your source. If money is your source, then you're going to do whatever it takes to serve it. You're going to cut corners and work. You're going to cheat on taxes. You're going to lie because you need as much of it as you can get. If God is your source, then you'll do whatever it takes to serve him with integrity. Do jobs right. No cutting corners. Do taxes legally and speak the truth to your customers and coworkers. Not lie to them about their condition. Are you following me? When I worked at Ethan Allen, some of you have heard me tell that story. When I was the warehouse manager, we had this uh, couple pieces of furniture. There was a special order piece of furniture that was missing, a handle or a pull on the piece of furniture. And my manager, the general manager, came in and told me, I, she told me by command to tell the customer that we special ordered something, which was a lie, and, 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 and that to make our service, to up our service, to make it look like we were doing better than we were. I looked at her, I said, well, that would be lying. She said, yes, it would. I said, no, I won't. Why? I didn't see her as my source. I didn't see that paycheck as my source. All that was a resource. If that resource went away, God would open a new resource for me. I wasn't going to obey and bow down to the spirit of the age and its lies. We need to walk in truth and live a life in love. It wouldn't be loving my neighbor as myself to lie to that customer. I just felt the oxygen leave the room. Lord, we just take a moment to repent right now. Which leads to our next revealing heart scan. How you worship God with money reveals your trust. And by trust, I mean reveals your surrender. Malachi 3, 6 through 12 says this. Pay attention to this first sentence, everyone. You'll know who you are in a minute. I am the Lord, listen to this, and I do not change. I do not what? You're not very strong on that. This, this is, that is why you descendants of Jacob, you're not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees. What's it like to scorn something? I've seen it. I've seen it when Lydia Gibbs walks up to one of her adult sons at times, especially Josiah, if you're listening, son, I love you, but true, true story. So, so Josiah will be like, she'll tell him, and he, he'll be like, uh, he'll, he'll, he just kind of, he'll do it, but he, he's scorning the decree. Are you following me? The decree of mommy. <laughs> and failed to obey them. Now listen to what God says. Now return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return? We've never gone away. This is interesting. That means the people had a mindset about themselves. Listen, the people had a mindset about themselves that God didn't have. I had a mindset about my generosity that God didn't have. And he says, you're not as generous as you think you are. You're holding back on me. This is what he's saying to the people here. Should people cheat God? You've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You cheated me from the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse. Your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. Or pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I'll guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Okay, so depending upon where you're at, some of you just saw a verse for the first time. Some of you are saying yes and amen inside your heart. Some of you are saying, I don't believe in tithing. That's an Old Testament deal, right? That's basically you're landing on one of three places with this. So when he talks about tithes and offerings, the word tithe literally means a tenth. Now, to just fully reveal where I'm at, I believe in tithing. I believe it's a current Christian practice that Christians should be practicing. But what is it exactly? It's, it's not a tax. It's not God needs money. It's worshiping God with your money. Amen. Old covenant, new covenant. Let me give you a better covenant, a heart covenant. Abraham and Jacob... Two patriarchs of the faith. This man named Abraham has to go into battle with five kings. He goes into battle to get his, against five kings to get his nephew Lot, who was taken captive, and all their stuff and their families back. They were bought into slavery, think human trafficking, think that kind of thing, think all their goods being stolen. Abraham prays to God, like, let's go, team, takes a family of servants and goes and conquers these kings. When he gets done, one of the kings comes out and says, Hey, I want to give you all this. You take whatever you want from the spoils. No way. This is what he says. Think about the last point we just said, the first heart scan about our source. Abraham's, I am not taking one. I told the Lord when I went to this battle, if he gives me victory, I'm not taking one dime of this. I don't want you to think that you have made Abraham rich. What he was saying was, God, Yahweh is my source. Now, here's what you need to understand. There was no law for tithing then. The people who say, that's old covenant. You need to understand that didn't come till Moses. Abraham is way, way, way before Moses. No law for tithing. Abraham worshiped God. The Bible says that he took a tithe and he gave it to this priest named Melchizedek, who we don't even know who he is. Uh, we, the, some speculate he was a theophany, which means he was an appearance of Christ, a manifestation of God before he was born. So like, just picture like an angel showing up, priestly looking. Served basically the, what we would call communion. Abraham gives him a tenth of all that he received, gave the rest to these kings, gave everybody else their stuff that was stolen. Are you following me? He did this out of his heart. Later, Jacob, his grandson, comes on the scene. He doesn't know God at all. And he's, he's walking, he's running from his brother Esau. As he's heading out to this land, he has this dream one night when he's sleeping on a rock. What a comfortable pillow he had there. So that's, that's not comfort foam, you know what I'm saying? It's like, your head will conform to the rock. Anyway, so he's laying on here and he has this dream of an open heaven and angels ascending and descending. And this is what he says, I am in Bethel. I'm in a, I'm in a place, the house of God. And if, he says, if, he says if God told him in the dream, and I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, look, if you'll bless me, if you'll protect me, because you got to know in that day, that's the real deal. You're, you're wandering alone in the desert. I'm talking easy target from getting mugged. Are you following me? And he says, if you'll do all this for me, I will give you a tenth of all that you give me. He was tithing. There was no law for it. It was worship from the heart. So for me, tithing is a response to Christ's worth. It's the worship from the, from, uh, uh, the one to the one whose name, I'm sorry, it's the worship of the one whose name is provider. It's a response to a revelation. I'm not trying to earn something for God. I'm trying to tell him thanks for everything he's done in my life. Just thanks for giving me a life. Some of you have heard me tell a story about, um, uh, you heard Lydia just a couple weeks ago tell a story about receiving this, this car, this Honda Civic. She told it from her side of the story. But from my side of the story, God had just taken us through a season. I was making $6 an hour. Say that with me. Six dollars an hour. Now there's young people here who think, oh, well, you're so old. That must have been a lot of money back then. 
No, it wasn't. I had a wife. I had three kids. I lived in something that was phenomenally small. Our house we were living, it was a it was literally a house that was divided into three properties. The house itself wasn't big to begin with. We were living in a really small little footprint there. And I was glad to have a place to live. How many people know what I'm talking about? And I was in this season where the Lord was testing me in my heart. My church didn't teach on tithing. It was me wanting to follow God, reading the Bible, going, I want to be a worshiper. And I, I ran into this Malachi verse, and I, God's talking about rewarding and blessing and, and all this stuff. And my motivation wasn't to get anything from God. It was, I saw God making covenant. If you will, I will. That's what he's saying. A heart covenant. Forget old, forget new, get Jesus, get a God who talks to your heart, a heart covenant. God's speaking to me. So I just said, I, I want to do this. And I began to do this on my little six dollars. I could justify 50 ways from Sunday why I should not be giving that money away. If you made a $500 check, 50 just went out the door. 50 was groceries for the week, friends. And then 500, that would be a big check, actually. My checks were like 250 bucks. So I want you to think about what's going on. It felt stupid. In fact, I would sometimes give more, almost double it, because sometimes I just wanted to be giving at least 50 bucks to the Lord. I didn't want to give less than that. I wasn't making hardly any money. Fast forward about a year later of doing that, we ran into a situation where a little red Geo Metro. Anybody know what a Geo Metro is? For those who've been around long enough. So what the engine that was in that car was, was three hamster power, right? There's no horsepower, hamster power. When you're going up a hill, it's like, okay? So real slow, that car began to have some serious problems. And my pregnant wife was driving around, and my boss knew that. He was a Christian, loved us dearly, loved our work ethic at work. Right, because it was the Lord my God who gave me the means to get wealth, and I was going to work and do my work as worship to Jesus. Come on, some of you need to hear that message. You need to go to work. You can. You don't have to take this job and shove it. You can take this job and love it by doing it for Jesus. Okay. So uh, I I was there, and I was needing to. God had me in that place, and this man noticed us and said he had let us borrow the car because they had multiple cars while ours was in the shop. And a man moved by. He who has two tunics, give to him who has none. Went well. I mean, they have one, but that car's not really good. It's definitely not safe. Scared for Lydia. They felt led. He pulls me into the office one day and says, I want to sell you our car. I said, man, I can't afford that car. That's a 12, that's got to be a $15,000 car. He said, I want to sell you this car for a dollar so we can get past some of the other hurdles that Texas would have with taxes. Would you be okay with that? No. Yes, 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 I'm okay with that. (laughs) Here's what you learn. My arm of my own strength could not have saved that much money for a year. My year car would have been a $500 beater that would have been worse than the one I had. But by investing in God's kingdom, God said, seek first the kingdom of God is righteousness, then what you need will be added to you. Now listen, I, I gotta say this. I want you to hear this. I did not give to get. I hate that kind of teaching as a motivation. I don't hate it as a study. I don't hate it as a reality. I know if a farmer plants a seed, he's going to get something that's going to grow up. The Bible says whatever man sows, he'll reap. It's going to grow up, whatever he plants it. But, but I don't like that motivation. I started with a, and this is why I think some of you said, well, I tried that tithing thing and it didn't work. Because your motivation was to get, not to worship. Amen. And when you change your motive to worship, the God who's covenanted with you at a heart level will provide for you. He is not a liar. Are you, did that go in? Yeah. Let's talk about offerings for a minute because the Bible talks about robbing and tithes and offerings. Offerings are not tithes and tithes are not offerings in the Bible. They're a whole different animal. For Israel, the tithe was actually compulsory. God expected it. After Jacob and those guys later and Moses, God actually expected it as a system of operating the temple structure. It was still worshiping God 
And, and so some people really feel, uh, let me tell a story about my son. So again, Josiah, God bless his heart. <laughs> we went away, we went away uh, for like a week, oh, one of our, uh, through the uh, sabbatical, we were coming back at the end there. We came back to a very clean home. Josiah had been managing stuff and he, he, was, he was just trying to, occasionally every now and then he'll just jump up, knock out chores and whatever else when he's not asked. And we're like, wow. But then when we ask, he'll, he'll drag, he's just dragging it, ah, ah, it's just murder to the chores. What's going on there? He told me, he said, I don't like, I love to do it when I'm not asked. It feels like I'm really giving you something then. I said, son, when you give, mom's like, when you give us your help when we ask, we still see it as honor. Some of you treated the tithe like, well, because God asked, that takes the fun out of it. It isn't about being fun, it's about being worship. It's about showing honor. Yes. Some of you say, still, okay, no, I, I still don't believe in the tithe. Great, okay. Would you agree with this? That we definitely need to worship God with our money? Yeah. If mammon isn't going to rule my life, do I need to worship God with what he's given me? Yeah. When I talk about tithing, in Lifeway's context, we don't tell people you gotta give to here, to Lifeway. I just think you need to worship God that way. I know some of you who give outside. I think, if, I think where your treasure is, your heart is. So if your heart's in life, well, I think some of your treasure will find its way here. If you feel edified and built up, well, you got a nice facility, you don't need it. Friend, we got a nice facility, we need it more than ever. Hello. We just moved in. Let's have that discussion again in five years. But right now, yeah, sure, we can use help, but that's not what it's about. It's about, it's about you just starting. I don't even want to tell you what to do and how to do it. I just want you to go look at your heart and say, why don't I do it. Why am I holding back? Remember, he's the Lord God, and he doesn't change. Offerings are when we give. The Israel would give free will offerings. When they would take up the temple, like when they were building their temple, they, they had to turn back. They had to tell people to stop giving. I will let you know when that's a problem here, okay? <laughs> but when they did it, they had to tell them to stop giving. That was a free will offering that was above their tithes, and they did it because of, of really our, 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 well, let me say this before I get off tithing. Luke eleven forty two, 42, Jesus said this to some Pharisees. Because for there's some of you here, yes, yes, Jimmy, amen, I believe in tithing. And you're like, oh, I am so cool, I tithe. You're, you're where I was at the beginning of the message, right? Do you use it to insulate yourself? Do you tithe? And does your tithe actually placate your heart, make you passive, this is good. I'm especially talking to you of a lot of money because people have a lot of money. I know because I've, I've, I, I know it's in my family. People who have a lot of money can say, well, I gave my tithe. And friend, you know you could give more. Not to us, just to Jesus. However, Jesus leads you to invest it. And we can placate that. Look at what Jesus, the, actually the Pharisees, religious leaders of Jesus' day were actually fairly wealthy. And this is what he, Jesus says to them. Luke eleven forty two. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you're careful to tithe. You are careful to tithe. Careful means careful, right? They took care. They were full of care to make sure that it happened. They didn't wait for it to be the last thing they did. It was one of the first things they did. But he said, but you ignore justice and, and the love of God. You should, listen to what Jesus says. You should tithe. Hello, that's Jesus Christ talking. You should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And there's this mindset that, that, that tithers, givers can have. I'm, I'm telling you, heart check for all of us, right? But I give. Yes, you do. And we get this mindset, all Je from my money standpoint, all Jesus wants is my tithe. No, all Jesus wants is your heart. 
He's not wanting money without heart. That, that doesn't interest him. But he says where your treasure is, your heart will follow. I know people said, well, I, all I have is belongs to Jesus. 100% of my money is God's. Great. You can write that 100% check to the life wage. Anyway, <laughs> all of a sudden the tie sounds a lot better, doesn't it? Because God is not saying, look, I need, God knows, I know you need to live. I know you need things. And he's not austere, but he's challenging me. It's not even that he's telling me I can't have things to enjoy. When I tithe, it's a spiritual transaction for me. I pray over it. I don't know how you do it, but when I give and I worship and I get my paycheck and it comes in, direct deposit, I whip out my, my phone center app thing on, on my phone and I begin to dial it in and I type in my number, da, 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 whatever that's gonna be, based upon my income, and I pray right there, God, I thank you. You are my source. Thank you for these resources. I wanna use them for the glory of God. I ask in Jesus' name that you would uh, that, you would, that you would rebuke the devourer for my sake. That you do everything that Malachi says. I've got this heart covenant for you. I want to be generous. I'll look out towards others. Would you look after my stuff? In Jesus' name, amen. What's it do? It helps me deny myself. It gets my eyes off self. To deny yourself, one thing's for sure, when you're denying yourself, you're not the center of your world. Told you, it's a heart checkup. Which leads to the third thing. How you spend your money reveals your values. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, listen to this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up, lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, not the one they're in, so that they may take hold of the life. Listen to this. Take hold of the life that is truly life. Yeah. I love this. He says, God gives us everything. Uh, the New King James says, he gives us all things richly to enjoy. Here it says, everything for your Enjoyment. There's this mindset that people have about God, that he's, he's a joy killer. I don't think so. I believe God is a joy fulfiller. But what I think the question that we should all answer is, what actually are you finding joy in? Are you tracking? Do I enjoy a, 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 the, the new Netflix series that came out more than I enjoy seeing some kid in Ethiopia finally eat? Do I enjoy, like, do, do I, like, with Compassion International and their ministries, for 30 bucks or 45 bucks, or depending upon where you're at, they used to be you could adopt a child, now they adopt you, but you, th th these children, can, you can have this relationship with them where you're helping them. That little 30 bucks gets them through school, feeds them, takes care of them once a month. You can make a huge difference. When we talk about leaving a legacy, we're talking about how to live a life that matters. And generosity is the foundation to doing that. In fact, generosity isn't generous until it leaves you and goes somewhere else. You can't be generous towards yourself. You can only be generous outside yourself. That when, we talk about, when we talk about people who are generous towards themselves, you know what we call that? Selfishness. So when we think about this value, 
consider what you're spending your money on and what's it reveal about you, what you value. Listen, I'm gonna invite you over the next five weeks. Here's your call to action, it's simple. I'm gonna ask you to give more money. I want you to do one simple thing this week. I want you, and over the next five weeks, to examine your heart as it pertains to having God's heart for money that He has given you. Not your own arm, not your own strength. Those abilities that He's given you. And get honest with where it's going. We were in a prayer meeting one morning. Elaine and I were praying. There's a few others there. Elaine begins to pray, God, I pray for those who are tight-fisted in the church that you've called to be generous, but they are hanging on to that money. And she was kind of being, my prophets are, you know, like, karate chopping it. But my heart, I felt like there was more to it. So I said, Lord, I don't disagree with that. There's some tight-fistedness, not in service, but in money. And I said, why is that? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, because of fear of the future and the fear of the unknown and that desire to have margin. In other words, money is for some people, whether they want to admit it or not, a source and not just a resource. And so I prayed into that. God, I know people are tight-fisted, but I, I, I believe they're tight-fisted because of, of some fears or, or what, something else, I don't know, or maybe past bad experiences, giving to churches or whatever. I, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you free them from that fear. It's not about how we use it more, more than it is about our heart in giving it. And I'm praying this. Well, a man comes up to me after the servant, after our prayer time, and he says, man, I gotta say something to you. I'm, uh, I'm, one, of the, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I, I feel like the Lord last week, I don't know, sometime in the morning, probably 2 a.m., like God wakes me up at 2 a.m. and disturbs me about generosity. But about, about sometime early in the middle of the night, 2 or 3 a.m., I was wrestling with the Lord and I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to give to that cafe down there as an outreach thing to begin to minister to our things. How much do you think that'll take to do that? I said, uh, 40,000 to do a minimal job and probably double that to do a maximal job. Um, and he said, well, uh, I'm gonna come back later today. I'm gonna bring a $10,000 check with me. And so he did. Comes back that day, said, no, I feel like God's working on my heart. I, I wanna pay for at least to get it done. I'm gonna write it, I'm gonna bring another 30,000 uh, on Thursday. So that was like Monday. On Thursday, I'm gonna bring another 30. He gave $40,000 that day. You know what happened to him in that moment? You know what was happening to him in that season? You know what God was doing to him? Breaking the spirit of mammon. He was declaring, God is my source. This is a resource to further some dynamic of God's kingdom. And I, I have to believe that God's doing that in all of us. See, generosity doesn't do what I did, where I'm giving enough. No, generosity never says I've given enough. enough. Rather, generosity is always looking around, asking a simple question. Here's the question generosity asks, is there more I can give? Is there more I can give? Would you stand on your feet? Again, it's not about how much you give already. It's really about how much you're holding back on going all in with Jesus. And a part of your heart search this week and just be, listen, I, I, I sincerely take five weeks. I don't like manipulation or human pressure. I have no problem with the Holy Spirit's pressure on your heart called conviction, but I don't want you to feel pressured. If you're doing all that God's called you to do right now, so be it. But I think all of us can grow. All of us have a next step. And I believe all of us even have a next step with our money as it pertains to God. And you can only live to give when you believe God is your source, you trust Him completely with your own needs, 
and you purpose in your heart, your decisions and practices to invest your life in what he values most. You want to know what he values most? He values you. In Lifeway's context, our two great values are, it's all about Jesus. And Jesus is all about people. He is all about you. When I say all about you, he went all in. The Bible says God so loved the world, listen to this, that he gave. God gave his most precious possession, his son. And the most generous act he could to pay for your sins, a price you couldn't pay, a debt you couldn't conceive to pay, try all your life, you could never pay it. So he says, they'll never be able to pay this. Who will go for me? And I believe it was a father-son partnership. It was like God just gave his son, the son Jesus said of himself, no one takes my life from me. But listen to this, I give it freely. So he was right in selling us, freely you received, freely give. You can see generosity all over the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He left the domain of heaven, the honor of heaven being worshiped night and day to come to a, earth, to a world that rejected him, to die for those, did good to all, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, to do one thing, change your mind about God, change your mind about eternity, change your mind about Jesus. Let me show you who I am. And he said, I do good to all. And then they killed him anyway. While he's there, he's hanging on a cross. His father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive. There's a generous thing even in that. You don't deserve it, but I forgive you. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They knew they were killing him. They didn't understand the eternal consequences of what they were doing. Here's the beautiful thing. He says, anyone who believes the story that I just told you, that's called the good news of Jesus Christ. Anyone who believes that story would not perish, but have eternal life. And just like going to church and getting baptized when you were young because of somebody else's faith doesn't mean you've had an authentic baptism. Going to church doesn't make you an authentic convert. There's something that has to happen in your heart where you have the answer of, I receive that. I, that message means something to me. I'm touched on the inside and I want to give my life to the one who gave his life. And I believe some of you here today want to do that. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? We're not gonna embarrass you and call you forward. I just wanna give you an opportunity to respond because I believe heaven watches and heaven rejoices when we surrender our lives to Jesus. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I want that. I want to experience the good news of Jesus Christ, his work in my life. I wanna make a heart covenant with him today where Jesus is Lord and I'm his follower and I learn to walk in his ways. I wanna experience the burden of my guilt and the sin and the shame lifted from me. And I change my mind about Jesus and self-centered living and I wanna give it to him today. If that's you today, would you raise your hand high and let me pray for you? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody? The room's wide now. It's hard for me to keep up. You can put your hands down. Let's, let's all of us pray together and let's surrender our lives to the inspection of Jesus, shall we? Say, God, come to you in Jesus' name. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender to your leadership. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. I ask that you would search me. Give me a heart checkup this week. I want to be generous like you're generous. Teach me the way of generosity that exists in the atmosphere of heaven. I want that to exist in the atmosphere of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God thanks for said yes to Jesus.